Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. This is Cosmic Authority Part 2. What do you mean by cosmic authority? Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, not just over Israel, not just over the Gentiles, not just over the earth, but over the whole universe, the whole cosmos, and he's the Savior for it all. So all the work that Jesus did was to save the entire cosmos. That's what he was saying in John 3.16, for God so loved the, the cosmos, everything that he had done, that in, in loving it, he gave his only begotten son. That's what he's doing. He's resolving this whole situation. And we have one particular episode that we're looking at. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. We're looking at it again this week as we look at some more about unclean spirits. I want to see if we can explain some more things about unclean spirits. The Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, meets an unclean spirit in verses 23 to 26. So if you would, look, let's look at 23 to 26. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Let's talk about this for just a moment. This unclean spirit is living in an unidentified human being. Uh, we don't know who that was at all. I know Jesus knows. I know God knows. But we're not told in the text who this man was. So it's not important that we know who the man was. But we do know this. He had an unclean spirit. Now I want you just to think with me for just a moment. Notice, no one's puzzled by the fact that there was someone there with an unclean spirit. No one's saying, what is that? Did you hear that? What was going on? They all knew and understand about unclean spirits. They knew about spirits. As a matter of fact, I was kind of surprised when I was doing this research to, to come to the point of knowing that Socrates, the philosopher Socrates, long before Jesus Christ, claimed that he had a daemon living in him. And that daemon that was living in him warned him about things that could go wrong. And would always tell him, don't make that decision. Don't make this decision. Don't make this decision. Don't go that direction. He said that spirit lived in him all along. Then I come to find out that's not the only one who thought he had spirits. So did Alexander the Great. So did a number of the great um, philosophers, oracles, and others. They knew they had spirits. So spirits may be strange to us, but it is not strange to them at all. Uh, I'll just say this. Past history uh, has no apologies to make to our current naturalist world. Our current naturalist world just acts like we're, we're, the, we're the top of it's ever been. And we know that all of that stuff is just superstition. No, we don't. Uh, we think that because somebody told us there are not spirits. Somebody told us that there is no God. Somebody told us that because there is no God, there is no Holy Spirit, there is no other spirits. That's all just baloney and superstition from the past. No, it is not. It's the absolute truth. And there are many spirits in the world today. And I think you probably have been able to recognize that if you watch the news at all. All right. But let me just go on with this. This one is called an unclean spirit. And I'm going to ask you this. What do you think the people saw that day? When that man was crying out, 
or when that spirit was crying out, what do you think the people saw? Did they see a spirit? No. They saw the man. And it's the man that's crying out. You follow where I'm But it's the spirit that's within this man that's crying out. So what they're going to see is the man. But they're not puzzled about a man crying out. They recognize it's an unclean spirit that's crying out. All right. Now, second thing, he's unclean because he's not in his original home. Spirits have a home. Spirits are to be in the kingdom of heaven. That's where they're supposed to be. That's their regular home. And he had given up being in his regular home. Now, we'll talk about how that happened in just a few moments. This is a part of why he's an unclean spirit. An unclean means an inappropriate mix. So something that's where it's not supposed to be is unclean. We, we have these things all the time ourselves. There are certain vessels that you'll use to uh, carry the trash out that you would not dare to eat from. It's unclean. If someone brought the trash can lid in and set it down at the table and started putting all the food on the table, I don't think you'd eat from it. I think you'd throw the person out then throw the trash can out. Amen? Because that's unclean. You wouldn't do it. It's in an inappropriate place. It's an inappropriate mix. Consequently, the Bible called a lot of things unclean. When you mix something with what it's not supposed to be, that's unclean. Inappropriate mix is anything of one type trying to blend with anything of another type, uh, not where it is intended to be by God. God designed things to be in a particular place and to do a particular function, and when you take it out of that and put it into another function, that makes it unclean. So when this spirit is unclean, it's because he's not where he belongs. Uh, this spirit does not belong in the man nor in the synagogue. So both of those make him unclean. He's not supposed to be in the synagogue. He's not supposed to be in the man. That's, that's one of the things that's making him unclean. The unclean spirit is challenging Jesus' timing, not Jesus' authority. He knows that Jesus has authority. That's not a question of him. He's wondering, are you here already? Is it now time for our judgment? You see, all spirits know there is a day of judgment coming. All of them know. The good angels, the bad angels, the, the good spirits, the bad spirits, they all know that there is a judgment day coming. This one's only questioning, is it now? Are you coming now? What do I have to do with you? This is not the day you said it was going to be. This is not the time you said it was going to be. What are you doing here now? Why are you doing this now? So if you, if you would consider what he's saying, he said, what are we to do with each other? Did you come to destroy us? He knows he's supposed to. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So he's not, not at all confused about who Jesus is, and Jesus is not confused about who he is. All right. Let's go to the next thing. The unclean spirits come in one of at least two categories, perhaps three. So hang on to your hats here a minute. Let's talk about spirits and how they get here. As I was telling you, Socrates, well before the Lord Jesus Christ, is understanding he has a daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N. We get our word D-E-M-O-N from that word, but that they didn't see all daemon as bad spirits. They saw many of them as good spirits. As a matter of fact, psychologists today call a good influence a daemon. 
Alexander the Great said that he had a daemon that showed him how to go to war and how to win wars. Obviously, Alexander won a number of wars. I know that we have some, uh, I've read, read, read the account of some modern psychologists who say they have been taught by spirits. Sometimes they call them spirits of the past, but they've been taught spirits, uh, taught by spirits. So let's three, where they come from. Number one, angels who visit the earth as supernatural powers. There are some angels who visit the earth as supernatural powers. Now, I want to share this with you. All angels can visit the earth at any time. Matter of fact, remember, we're told in Hebrews 13 that we need to be always aware that sometimes people have entertained angels unaware. They didn't realize they were entertaining an angel. So it's not unusual for angels to be on the earth. It's not unusual for them to come. What makes it unusual is when they come for the wrong reason. You see, angels are given to minister to the, 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 those who inherit eternal life. When they do some other thing besides what God has told them to do, that's unclean. You follow that? If God has not given them a message to take to someone, and they take a message anyway, that's an unclean spirit because he's being disobedient to Almighty God. Some of the angels who visit the earth as supernatural powers have revealed themselves as jinn, that's to the um, Arabs, to the Arabic people, the word jinn, or we use the word genie. Uh, jinn is what they appeared as. Uh, others, they have appeared as elves, fairies. For certain, the New Testament talks about them appearing as teachers. They show up as teachers who teach things in a church. John warned us, brothers, do not believe every spirit. Any spirit that does not confess. He didn't say believe any man. He didn't say believe any teacher. He said believe any spirit. Do not believe all the spirits. Any spirit that does not confess that Jesus is God come in the flesh is not of God. That's an unclean spirit. Why? God didn't send him to give that message, and he's giving it anyway. That's an unclean spirit. So you can have uh, false teachers that come as spirits to you. Uh, Paul warned Timothy about seducing spirits. He said, there are spirits who will come that will seduce people into believing you can't marry, believing there you can't do certain things here, and teaching them. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy 3. He's telling them that uh, you can't believe those things, uh, that they're seducing spirits. So spirits are here sometimes on their own, but not always. They've been revealed to all kinds of peoples all around the world, as I said, as elves, fairies, maybe hobbits, maybe not. I, I, I wouldn't want to say that for sure. But there are a number of uh, groups that always are sharing with you about something that appeared that they really didn't have any explanation for. We've written those off as myths and superstitions. Why? Because we believe as enlightened people, we know better than that. We know that there are no such things. That's crazy. The scriptures declare to us that there are spirits and that they are in the world. It's not correct to say that they are not. Okay, so that's one. Angels who visit the earth to do things on their own. Now, those get a chance to go back again. Okay, they got a chance to go back to where they were until they do that too much. Once they have left that, then they become an unclean spirit. And I'll show you more about that in a minute. 
the spirits of the destroyed Nephilim who have no home since they are hybrid spirits, that's the ones the Bible calls demons. Okay? The spirits of the Nephilim. You say, who are the Nephilim? If you remember, there were angels in Galatians, or I'm sorry, Genesis 6, who left their estate. They came to earth and crossbred with humans. And the children that they bore were called Nephilim. And when the Nephilim were destroyed in the uh, flood, the spirits of the Nephilim are left homeless. They have no place to be. They're not human spirit. They're not angel spirit. They're left homeless. And I, I think I can share with you. Matter of fact, I was listening to a story um, of Irish folklore. And one of the stories, one of the things that kept coming up in Irish folklore were the different fairies who would speak to a Catholic priest or an elder or some other like that and say, would you find out from God if we can be saved or not? Would you find out from God if we can be saved or not? And I thought, what a weird thing for them to say. If you don't recognize what a spirit is, that may not make any sense to you. But if you recognize the spirits are those that uh, were a part of the Nephilim, and are now homeless, walking all around. They're going from place to place seeking homes. They're looking to live somewhere, all right? And number three, that's the angels cast down by the devil with his tail. In Revelation chapter 12, we read about the devil taking one-third of the angels before Jesus Christ is born, and he's sending them to the earth. That one-third there are also unclean spirits now that have opportunity to be all around the earth. I don't always know which one, what I'm reading, is the spirit, whether, where that spirit has come from when Jesus is casting out spirits or when the uh, disciples are casting out spirits. I don't know which of the three it is. I don't know that it's significant for me to know which of the three it is. I just know that's where it is. Everybody, everybody follow where I'm coming from? Was that relatively new stuff to you? Or no? Okay, good deal. All right. Then unclean spirits look for hosts in which they can have their existence and do their work. All right, for the, I think I'm going to go ahead and go to Matthew 12, 43. Let's go to Matthew 12, 43. And this is the teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Matthew 12, 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. He's homeless. He's been living in a human. But he goes out of that human for whatever reason, and he goes through dry places seeking rest, someplace he can rest. He can't find any because he is an unclean spirit. There's not a home for him anymore. And then it goes on to say this. He's seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. So unclean spirit leaves. 
A guy cleans up his house now that he's rid of that spirit, gets it all cleaned up. He's got some self-reformation going. He's not trusting Jesus Christ. He's just got some self-reformation going. And as he has this self-reformation going, the spirit comes back, finds it all clean, finds a good place to live, and invites seven other spirits to come and join him in it. Now, get the picture. That's likely what took place with the guy that's known as Legion. That more than one spirit, this is not about a geographical space. They don't need space to leave. They're, they're living in him. They're taking control of that person. They're using that person's faculties to do the things they're going to do. Everybody follow where I'm at? That means sometimes they can make them deaf and dumb. Sometimes they can give them seizures. Sometimes they can make them abundantly strong. They're, whatever that spirit wants to do with that human being, they will do. All right? So uh, they're looking for a place to live all the time. Now, if you would consider this, Jesus casts the spirit out of this man. And we're not told where the spirit went. So as Matthew 12, 43 had said, when he's gone out of the man, Jesus didn't send him any place. Jesus just cast him out. So that spirit is still a homeless spirit. He's still moving all around. You say, well, are there spirits here today? Yes, most certainly are. Um, more about that in just a minute. What is the work of clean and unclean spirits? So if you would consider Colossians 1, 15 to 18. Colossians 1, 15 to 18. I need to hear your phone scrolling there so that I'll know that you're following us here. 1, 15 to 18. Colossians 1, 15 to 18. Here's what it says. He, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all, that's everything, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, I want to just uh, reemphasize this. These spirits are not Jesus equal. He has created every spirit, and every spirit is under his creative authority, his sovereign authority. They are not on their own to do just anything they want to do. The Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign over them. They will pay for the things that they have done. This unclean spirit that was cast out of the man here in Capernaum, he knew that he would be destroyed for what he was done. He fully expected it. He just didn't expect it right now. That was what he's questioned. He knows that he's doomed. He doesn't have a chance for repentance. There's nothing can happen that can change that man, all right? But Jesus created all of the spirits, and they are of necessity less than him. They cannot be his equal. Now, I want to just remind you, the, the Scriptures call those spirits in the Old Testament Elohim. Elohim. That's the same word that we use for God. They are spirits, and that's what Elohim means. They are spirits without bodies. These spirits are shape shifters. They can become whatever shape they need to be. Oftentimes on earth, they are seen as human beings. 
there were three men that came to Abraham while he was outside uh, sitting underneath the oak of Mamre, I think it calls the, the oak tree. Three men came to him, or at least that's what he thought. Yet he knows enough to say, my Lord, turn in here. He doesn't just say, hey, pilgrims, I see you passing around this way, turn in here. He somehow is recognizing that they are a little bit more than, than people. Uh, as a matter of fact, so did the people in Sodom and Gomorrah who saw two of those more. They knew they were a little bit more than just ordinary men. They knew they were a, a peculiar type of person. All right? So uh, the angels uh, can, can appear at any time here. I'll just say that. Then turn with me to Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 1.14. Here he is speaking of the angels and why Christ is superior to all the angels and that the angels weren't promised any kingdom. Christ is promised a kingdom. The angels are not promised a kingdom. So Hebrews 1.14, we find this. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? What's the goal of the angel? It's a ministering spirit, right? To who? To those who are going to inherit eternal life. So they are here to help you. They're here to help me. They're here to help those who are going to inherit eternal life. They can help, uh, obviously, whoever God wants them to help. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm just simply saying this. Some of those are what we have known or what has been called guardian angels. All right. So turn with me to Matthew 18.10. Matthew 18.10. God made them ministering spirits to minister to us. Matthew 18.10. I hope you don't mind using your Bibles quite a little bit because I want you to see these are not my ideas. I didn't come up with these. This is stuff that the Lord has uh, written in his word and it's things that we can study and look at. Matthew 18.10. Here he's talking about... uh, offenses and how offenses can come. And he's talking about offenses that you do for yourself, but he's also talking about offenses that can be done to children. And he's saying that that's a, that's a really serious episode when you do an offense to a child, when you cause a child not to believe in Christ. Number 10, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Their angels are always there in heaven to see them with the Father. If I can remind you, Michael is called the angel who is the angel of the people of Israel, that he's their guardian angel. If you would, consider Acts chapter 12 and verse 15. Acts chapter 12 and verse 15. Here, Peter has been thrown in a jail. Um, James has been beheaded, and they've thrown Peter in jail here. And in 1215, while Peter is in jail, um, let's see, do I want to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, let's go before 1215. Uh, let's back up a little bit here. Uh, two, seven. While Peter's in prison, 
matter of fact, it looks like he's about half asleep. Uh, it says that, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying. Now, let me just ask you this. If he struck him on the side and Peter felt it, that there's got to be something real about this being, right? So he has now taken on a shape. That angel has taken on a shape and whacked Peter in the side, okay? So Peter wakes up, or thinks he does, raised him up. He says, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them by its own accord. They went out, went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So the angel left. Now he goes and knocks on the door. Inside are people who've been praying for the Peter's release, right? So he's knocking on the door, praying for Peter's release. Uh, while people are praying for the release, a young lady named Rhoda comes to answer the door in verse 13, verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the... Is, any, is this any of the funny to you guys? I, I, I just... Sometimes I have to stop myself from just outright laughing and saying, this has got to be one episode. Peter is just, well, anyway, yeah. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. She kept insisting it was so. So they said, it is his angel. They assume Peter has an angel. Well, it would be rightly so because the angels are ministering spirits sent to minister those who are inheriting eternal life. You can find others of these as well. We're reminded in Hebrews 13, 2, that we're supposed to be careful to entertain strangers. Some have entertained angels unawares. Well, we'll go from there. In Hebrews 1, 7, they are identified as a flame of fire, and they're often called stars and the host of heaven. That's what these angels are called. Now, in Deuteronomy 4, 15 to 20, and I probably won't ask you to turn there today, but make sure you do look at that one later. Israel was warned not to worship them. Nope, turn there. Deuteronomy 4, 15 to 20, all right? I want you to see what he says there. That's a significant thing. <clears throat> He is warning them about idolatry. Now, idolatry is the creation of an item or an object by people in order that a spirit will inhabit it. The idol is what is they're wanting to inhabit that. The, the, the idol is not the God. The demon behind the idol is the God. Everybody follow where I'm at? So you can say... Their idols can't say anything. They are, yes, that's true. That object cannot say a thing. It's wood, metal, it's a stone. It cannot say a thing. But the demon behind it most certainly can, as you've seen the demon that, that cried out in the synagogue. Everybody follow where I'm at? Behind every idol is a demon, a spirit, if you would. So here's what he said. Don't, don't do anything idolatrous. So picking up in verse 
15. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven when you see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the host of heaven. That's the angels, guys. All the host of heaven, he goes on to say, <clears throat> You feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. He gave that. He gave the stars, the, all the hosts of heaven, to the peoples in order that the peoples would hear and know of God. Romans chapter 1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and that the heavens are what should have told all people who God is. And with those heavens telling all people who God is, they are without excuse who have not trusted the living God. Everybody follow where I'm at? So all those angels and all that had been given to all the peoples of the rest of the earth. But notice what he says in verse 20. <clears throat> but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of Egypt to be his people and inheritance as you are this day. So the comparison is, I got you, and I gave the other people all the stars, the host of heaven, I gave them, and the goal of that host was to teach them how to come back to God. The goal of Israel was to be the priest before all those people to teach them how to come back to God. God's wanting all the people of the world to be renewed and refreshed in Him. So He gave creatures that he made to bring people back to himself. Israel didn't complete their job. The angels rebelled in their job. Fair enough? All right. From the Tower of Babel, the rest of the world had been placed under angelic principalities and powers to be taught how to restore their relationship with God, whom they had rejected at the Tower. The angels, um, you've got the scriptures there, you can look at those. We've been over those many times before. The angels before the flood taught men violence, war, sensuality, arts and trades, and magic. After Babel, many of them did not teach them truth, but allowed wickedness and received worship from people. Now, I've, I've been over those before, so I'm not, that's why I'm not spending a lot of time right there. Genesis 6, Rebels were bound in Tartarus until the end. Look at Jude chapter 1. There's not another one, but Jude chapter 1. All right. Jude 1, verse 6. He says this. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain. That's Genesis 6, 1. That, that the angels, the sons of God, saw the daughters of men, and they left, and they came to be with the, the daughters of men. They married the daughters of men. It says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. All right? So they're bound in Tartarus. But I want you to know that that's not where they're, well, 2 Peter 2, 4 says essentially the same thing. I'll leave that one for there. Let's turn to Revelation 9, 1 to 12. 
Revelation 9, 1 to 12. So he bound them in Tartarus, that is the bottomless pit, called the abyss in other situations, all right? So here in uh, Revelation 9, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. What's in the bottomless pit? All those angels that had sinned against God at, at Genesis 6. So he's opening up the bottomless pit, and now he's going to release them. He opened the bottomless pit. Smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came up on the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded to not harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Guys, that's the demons that, or I'm sorry, that's the angels that were bound in Tartarus have just been released for the great day of judgment. They are now judging human beings on the earth. They've been released. That's a future event to us, but they've been released. But that's not all. Look, if we would, please, down at verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Guys, understand, that's a future event. There are four angels today that are bound at the river Euphrates. And with them, uh, I know people say it's the Chinese. No, it's not the Chinese. Look, if you would, with them, when those angels are released, there is an army of 200 million. That is not China. It doesn't say anything about that being China. Watch what it is. Um, it says the four angels released uh, had been prepared for the hour of the day. Verse 16. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their tails, and their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. That's bound demons. These are those that are being released by those four angels. You follow where I'm coming from? They've all been bound up. There's a lot of things that have been bound up that's going on uh, in our world and will be a future event to us. And let me, I'll close it this way then. Many homeless spirits are in the world today. If you cannot see the spirits that are released in this world, the wickedness that's going on, the uh, brutality that goes on, the inhumanity that's going on, that's coming from the homeless spirits that are still wandering this world today and still inhabiting people, still doing things all around, stirring up nothing but madness. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a spiritual world. Do you understand why Paul said our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the dark of the states, spiritual hosts of wickedness. 
You're, you're not just dealing with people who are a little hard-hearted. You're dealing with spirits who are convincing people of wrong attitudes, wrong habits, wrong ideas. There are many demonic ideas in the world today that are passing off as isms. There's a host of isms. But with those isms, kids, understand what's behind them all. All right? Father, thank you so much for the gift of the Word of God. Thank you so much for teaching us the truth and giving us the truth. I pray, Father, that the message that we've given is uh, understandable and is accurate to what you have said in your word. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. Father, teach us how to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us how to give our hearts over wholeheartedly to him. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus cast out that demon by just a word, just saying, leave. That proves beyond all shadow of a doubt his, his authority and rule. Up to that point, there'd been other exorcisms, but all those other exorcisms involved rituals. Some, uh, some thing you would say, some incense you would burn, some sort of special thing that you would do. Those things are inappropriate. The only thing that's appropriate is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to encourage you. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the authority of all. Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do in us. We want to be the people of God. We want to be clearly the sanctified ones, the ones you set apart. We know there's a, a strong mission that's needed in us this day. We recognize that there is a, a lot of spiritual... Uh, wickedness going on all around us. Please grant to us to have eyes looking toward you and thoughts that are always cast toward the rich things of the eternal kingdom of God. Thank you for what you're going to do in us just now. Dismiss us with your grace and peace in Christ's name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.